Chapter 1, Part 2 of The Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka, translated by Ian Johnston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. At first, he slid down a few times on the smooth chest of drawers, but at last he gave himself a final swing and stood upright there. He was no longer at all aware of the pains in his lower body, no matter how they might still sting. Now he let himself fall against the back of a nearby chair, on the edge of which he braced himself with his thin limbs. By doing this he gained control over himself and kept quiet, for he could now hear the manager. "'Did you understand a single word?' the manager asked the parents. "'Is he playing the fool with us?' "'For God's sake!' cried the mother, already in tears. "'Perhaps he's very ill, and we're upsetting him. "'Greta, Greta!' she yelled at that point. "'Mother!' called the sister from the other side. "'They were making themselves understood through Gregor's room. "'You must go to the doctor right away. "'Gregor is sick. Hurry to the doctor. "'Have you heard Gregor speak yet?' "'That was an animal's voice.' said the manager remarkably quietly, in comparison to the mother's cries. "'Anna! Anna!' yelled the father through the hall into the kitchen, clapping his hands. "'Fetch a locksmith right away!' The two young women were already running through the hall with swishing skirts. How had his sister dressed herself so quickly and yanked open the doors of the apartment, and couldn't hear the doors closing at all? They probably had left them open as is customary in an apartment where a huge misfortune has taken place. However, Gregor had become much calmer. All right, people did not understand his words any more, although they seemed clear enough to him, clearer than previously, perhaps because his ears had gotten used to them. But at least people now thought that things were not all right with him, and were prepared to help him. The confidence and assurance with which the first arrangements had been carried out made him feel good. He felt himself included once again in the circle of humanity, and was expecting from both the doctor and the locksmith, without differentiating between them with any real precision, splendid and surprising results. In order to get as clear a voice as possible for the critical conversation which was imminent, he coughed a little, and certainly took the trouble to do this in a really subdued way, since it was possible that even this noise sounded like something different from a human cough. He no longer trusted himself to decide any more. Meanwhile, in the next room it had become really quiet. Perhaps his parents were sitting with the manager at the table, whispering. Perhaps they were leaning against the door, listening. Gregor pushed himself slowly towards the door, with the help of the easy chair, let go of it there, threw himself against the door, held himself upright against it, the balls of his tiny limbs had a little sticky stuff on them, and rested there momentarily from his exertion. Then he made an effort to turn the key in the lock with his mouth. Unfortunately, it seemed that he had no real teeth. How then was he to grab hold of the key? But to make up for that, his jaws were naturally very strong. With their help he managed to get the key really moving. 
He didn't notice that he was obviously inflicting some damage on himself, for a brown fluid came out of his mouth, flowed over the key, and dripped onto the floor. Just listen for a moment, said the manager in the next room. He's turning the key. For Gregor that was a great encouragement, but they all should have called out to him, including his father and mother. Come on, Gregor, they should have shouted. Keep going, keep working on the lock. Imagining that all his efforts were being followed with suspense, he bit down frantically on the key with all the force he could muster. As the key turned more, he danced around the lock. Now he was holding himself upright only with his mouth, and he had to hang on to the key or, or then press it down again with the whole weight of his body as necessary. The quite distinct click of the lock as it finally snapped really woke Gregor up. Breathing heavily, he said to himself, oh, So I didn't need the locksmith and he set his head against the door-handle to open the door completely. Because he had to open the door in this way, it was already open very wide, without him yet being really visible. He first had to turn himself slowly around the edge of the door, very carefully, of course, if he didn't want to fall awkwardly on his back right at the entrance into the room. He was still preoccupied with this difficult movement and had no time to pay attention to anything else, when he heard the manager exclaim aloud, Oh! It sounded like the wind whistling. And now he saw him, nearest to the door, pressing his hand against his open mouth and moving slowly back as if an invisible constant force was pushing him away. His mother, in spite of the presence of the manager, she was standing here with her hair sticking up on end, still a mess from the night, was looking at his father with her hands clasped. She then went two steps towards Gregor, and collapsed right in the middle of her skirts, which were spread out all around her, her face sunk on her breast, completely concealed. His father clenched his fist with a hostile expression, as if he wished to push Gregor back into his room. Then he looked uncertainly around the living room, covered his eyes with his hands, and cried, so that his mighty breast shook. At this point Gregor did not take one step into the room, but leaned his body from the inside against the firmly bolted wing of the door, so that only half his body was visible, as well as his head, tilted sideways, with which he peeped over at the others. Meanwhile it had become much brighter. Standing out clearly from the other side of the street was a part of the endless grey-black house situated opposite. It was a hospital, with its severe regular windows breaking up the façade. The rain was still coming down, but only in large individual drops, visibly and firmly thrown down, one by one, onto the ground. The breakfast dishes were standing piled around on the table, because for his father breakfast was the most important meal of the day, which he prolonged for hours by reading various newspapers. Directly across on the opposite wall hung a photograph of Gregor from the time of his military service. It was a picture of him as a lieutenant, as he, smiling and worry-free, with his hand on his sword, demanded respect for his bearing and uniform. The door to the hall was ajar, and since the door to the apartment was also open, one could see out into the landing of the apartment and the start of the staircase going down. Now, said Gregor, well aware that he was the only one who had kept his composure, I'll get dressed right away, pack up the collection of samples, and set off. You'll allow me to set out on my way, will you not? 
You see, Mr. Manager, I am not pig-headed, and I am happy to work. Travelling is exhausting, but I couldn't live without it. Where are you going, Mr. Manager? To the office, really. Will you report everything truthfully? A person can be incapable of work momentarily, but that's precisely the best time to remember the earlier achievements, and to consider that later, after the obstacles have been shoved aside, the person will work all the more eagerly and intensely. I am really so indebted to Mr. Chief. You know that perfectly well. On the other hand, I am concerned about my parents and my sister. I'm in a fix, but I'll work myself out of it again. Don't make things more difficult for me than they already are. Speak up on my behalf in the office. People don't like travelling salesmen. I know that. People think they earn pots of money and thus lead a fine life. People don't even have a special reason to think through this judgment more clearly. But you, Mr. Manager, you have a better perspective on what's involved than other people. Even, I tell you in total confidence, a better perspective than Mr. Chairman himself, who in his capacity as the employer may let his judgment make casual mistakes at the expense of an employee. You also know well enough that the travelling salesman who is outside the office almost the entire year can become so easily a victim of gossip, coincidences and groundless complaints, against which it's impossible for him to defend himself, since for the most part he doesn't hear about them at all, and only then when he's exhausted after finishing a trip and at home gets to feel in his own body the nasty consequences, which can't be thoroughly explored back to their origins. Mr. Manager, don't leave without speaking a word, telling me that you'll at least concede that I'm a little in the right. But, at Gregor's first words, the manager had already turned away, and now he looked back at Gregor over his twitching shoulders with pursed lips. During Gregor's speech he was not still for a moment, but kept moving away towards the door, without taking his eyes off Gregor, but really gradually, as if there was a secret ban on leaving the room. He was already in the hall, and, given the sudden movement with which he finally pulled his foot out of the living-room, one could have believed that he had just burned the sole of his foot. In the hall, however, he stretched his right hand out, away from his body, towards the staircase, as if some truly supernatural relief was waiting for him there. Gregor realized that he must not, under any circumstances, allow the manager to go away in this frame of mind especially if his position in the firm was not to be placed in the greatest danger. His parents did not understand all this very well. Over the long years they had developed the conviction that Gregor was set up for life in his firm, and, in addition, they had so much to do nowadays with their present troubles that all foresight was foreign to them. But Gregor had this foresight. The manager must be held back, calmed down, convinced, and finally won over. The future of Gregor and his family really depended on it. If only his sister had been there. She was clever, and she had already cried while Gregor was still lying on his back. And the manager, this friend of the ladies, would certainly let himself be guided by her. She would have closed the door to the apartment and talked him out of his fright in the hall. But the sister was not even there. Gregor must deal with it himself. Without thinking that as yet he didn't know anything about his present ability to move, and that his speech possibly, indeed probably, had once again not been understood, he left the wing of the door, pushed himself through the opening, and wanted to go over to the manager, who was already holding tight onto the handrail with both hands on the landing, in a ridiculous way. 
but as he looked for something to hold on to, with a small scream, Gregor immediately fell down onto his numerous little legs. Scarcely had this happened when he felt for the first time that morning a general physical well-being. The small limbs had firm floor under them. They obeyed perfectly, as he noticed to his joy and strove to carry him forward in the direction he wanted. Right away he believed that the final amelioration of all his suffering was immediately at hand. But at the very moment when he lay on the floor rocking in a restrained manner quite close and directly across from his mother, who had apparently totally sunk into herself, she suddenly sprang right up with her arms spread far apart and her fingers extended and cried out, Help! For God's sake, help! She held her head, bowed down, as if she wanted to view Gregor better, but ran senselessly back, contradicting that gesture, forgetting that behind her stood the table with all the dishes on it. When she reached the table, she sat down heavily on it, as if absent-mindedly, and did not appear to notice at all that next to her coffee was pouring onto the carpet in full stream from the large overturned container. "'Mother! Mother!' said Gregor quietly, and looked over towards her. The manager momentarily had disappeared completely from his mind. At the sight of the flowing coffee, Gregor couldn't stop himself snapping his jaws in the air a few times. At that his mother screamed all over again, hurried from the table, and collapsed into the arms of his father, who was rushing towards her. But Gregor had no time right now for his parents. The manager was already on the staircase, his chin level with the banister. The manager looked back for the last time. Gregor took an initial movement to catch up with him if possible, but the manager must have suspected something, because he made a leap down over a few stairs and disappeared, still shouting, Huh! <gasps> the sound echoed throughout the entire stairwell. Now, unfortunately, this flight of the manager also seemed to bewilder his father completely. Earlier he had been relatively calm for instead of running after the manager himself, or at least not hindering Gregor from his pursuit, with his right hand he grabbed hold of the manager's cane, which he had left behind with his hat and overcoat on a chair. With his left hand his father picked up a large newspaper from the table, and, stamping his feet on the floor, he set out to drive Gregor back into his room by waving the cane and the newspaper. No request of Gregor's was of any use, no request would even be understood. No matter how willing he was to turn his head respectfully, his father just stomped all the harder with his feet. Across the room from him his mother had pulled open a window, in spite of the cool weather, and, leaning out with her hands on her cheeks, she pushed her face far outside the window. Between the alley and the stairwell a strong draught came up. The curtains on the window flew around, the newspapers on the table swished, and individual sheets fluttered down over the floor. The father relentlessly pressed forward, pushing out sibilance like a wild man. Now, Gregor had no practice at all in going backwards. It was really very slow going. If Gregor only had been allowed to turn himself around, he would have been in his room right away. But he was afraid to make his father impatient by the time-consuming process of turning around, and each moment he faced the threat of a mortal blow on his back or his head from the cane in his father's hand. Finally Gregor had no other option, for he noticed with horror that he did not understand yet how to maintain his direction going backwards. And so he began, amid constantly anxious sideways glances in his father's direction, to turn himself around as quickly as possible, 
although in truth this was only done very slowly. Perhaps his father noticed his good intentions, for he did not disrupt Gregor in this motion, but with the tip of the cane from a distance he even directed Gregor's rotating movement here and there. If only his father had not hissed so unbearably, because of that Gregor totally lost his head. He was already almost totally turned around when, always with this hissing in his ear, he just made a mistake and turned himself back a little. But when he finally was successful in getting his head in front of the door opening, it became clear that his body was too wide to go through any further. Naturally, his father, in his present mental state, had no idea of opening the other wing of the door a bit to create a suitable passage for Gregor to get through. His single fixed thought was that Gregor must get into his room as quickly as possible. He would never have allowed the elaborate preparations that Gregor required to orientate himself, and thus perhaps get through the door. On the contrary, as if there were no obstacle and with a peculiar noise, he now drove Gregor forwards. Behind Gregor the sound at this point was no longer like the voice of only a single father. Now it was really no longer a joke, and Gregor forced himself, come what might, into the door. One side of his body was lifted up. He lay at an angle in the door opening. His one flank was sore with scraping. On the white door ugly blotches were left. Soon he was stuck fast, and would not have been able to move any more on his own. The tiny legs on one side hung twitching in the air above, and the ones on the other side were pushed painfully into the floor. Then his father gave him one really strong, liberating push from behind, and he scurried, bleeding severely, far into the interior of his room. The door was slammed shut with the cane, and finally it was quiet. End of chapter 1